It occurred to me that we spend a ton of time at work, but we don't talk about it theologically all that often. So I want to do that today, plus some listener feedback. We're also going to go through a political quiz. That more on this week's Corey Truax Show. When I say it occurred to me, the more honest assessment of that is I was listening to another podcast. It was a presentation done at the Gospel Coalition Conference. Uh, This was last year from a gentleman that I can't remember his name at the moment, but he did a presentation called Three Facets of Fruitfulness. And it was a great theology of work. I found his name is Tom Nelson. And so it, uh, it occurred to me in that presentation, I know very little about the topic, and I know we don't talk about it enough Because outside of the ministry world, most of us are at work. That's what we do Monday through Friday, and more and more often the idea of a a traditional work week is going away. And so uh, we have, I think, something of a dichotomy between when I go to work, that's just what I'm doing. I'm I'm going to work. I I can't go to work Christianly. I can't go to work from a Christian perspective. So I want to get that done today. I have two pieces of listener feedback I want to give you. Uh, I want to go through a political quiz together, so let's get started here in just one moment. First, my name is Corey Truax. We are dedicated to smarter, deeper, and better talk here on the Corey Truax Show. Uh, you are also invited to Beachwood Church, where I serve as the pastor for teaching. That's Sunday mornings at 1030. That's where we meet. Having a ton of fun right now going through the lead-up to the Olivet Discourse. So we just went through several parables. And so uh, you're invited. 1030 Sunday mornings, Beachwood Church there in Greenville. If you are local, we would love to have you. If you're listening to 91.9 and 92.9, His Radio Talk, thank you. I am grateful when you listen on Saturday mornings. And if you're listening to the podcast, I am deeply grateful for that as well. You can support the show at the podcast. If you listen, you can find it at anchor.fm or download the Anchor app. And you could become a supporter of the show if you are so inclined. You know, I did not highlight last week, for those of you that listen live, we were listening to what will probably be a once-in-a-lifetime event, which was my show being broadcast on Leap Day. It came on February 29th. And let's just say I keep doing the show on Saturdays in perpetuity. Let's hope that's not the case, but let's say it's a Saturday show in perpetuity. Then I'd, I doubt it comes back around where the 29th would fall on a Saturday. So that was a momentous occasion that I failed to recognize the Gorge Direct Show on Leap Day. All right, here we go. First thing is just a quick Bible fact. I, I, maybe you've noticed over the years, my affinity for the United States of America has certainly ebbed, maybe to a point of un, like it's unhealthy level. Like I, I used to be quite the patriot, loved the country, and over the last almost 10 years, my affection for it first became, it came out of idolatry, into a healthy place, and then I might have passed healthy and gone into, I'm jaded. I'm very discouraged about where we are. I would still say we're the greatest country in the world, but that's by default. Like, we're best, we're the best country of the world out of a lot of bad choices. And so when I say America's the greatest country on earth, you know, it's, it's like being the best-looking pig at the butcher's factory, right? I mean, just... It's not a great thing to be. We just happen to be the best of a bunch of garbage places. And so I went from idolatry to a healthy place, maybe to a bit jaded about where we are. And as a, I don't want to say a remedy, but as I was just, it occurred to me that I don't have a lot of patriotism. And so I thought, what did you love? What were the things that you were into? And the bottom line is, 
It was where we came foundationally, where the 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 ideas that birthed the country. I, I've said many times. For me, America is not a people group. It's not a it's not a geographic location. I don't care about this land we're on. I don't care who the people are, uh, whether they whether they come wherever they come in the world and what their their origin is. I care about our ideas, the ideas that birthed us. And the ideas that birthed us were individual liberty. It was the, the freedom for for mankind to go seek out his own seek out his own good, for womankind to seek out their own good. Like that's what charged me up. That's why I loved America. We were so unique that rights were given by God, not by man. And we have these inalienable rights that we go and practice for the good of our ourselves and our communities. It was the ideas. You know, I actually had somebody I'm jumping ahead on the show, but that's what I do, right? I did this political quiz that's popular on Facebook right now and put it out on Facebook. Now, you can follow on Facebook, by the way. Just find me, Corey Truax. And it showed exactly what I would assume. I am very, very, very conservative. Like, basically the most conservative person any of you know. And leaning libertarian on the other axis. And a couple Trump people, some on the actual thread, some private messaged me, like, you're more conservative than me? Who would have... I would have never guessed. To which I, I wanted to respond rudely, and I did not. Well, of course I am, because that's that's why I land where I land, because I actually believe the things that conservatism came from. When it's defined by Adam Smith and the wealth of nations, when it's defined by the view of America's individualists from Alexis de Tocqueville and his democracy in America, when it's defined as Friedrich Hayek and the the road to serfdom, when it's defined as Milton Friedman and free markets, when conservatism is properly defined, I'm the most. That's what I am. And that's what I loved about America. It was the ideas that brought us here. And so I learned a new thing. I was reading some history, and I have said to you a couple times over the years, one of the things... You can find in the notes on the convention from Madison. So James Madison was this guy uh, that, uh, what was he, president of the United States? Fifth fifth president, fifth president, I think. He was the primary note taker at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia in 1787, where they met in Philly. And he's thought of as the father of the Constitution. And he kept some notes, and I've told you before about how one of the arguments for separation of powers, he actually has in the notes, that we need to separate the powers into three different categories because they quoted Jeremiah 17.9, that because the heart is wicked, or desperately wicked, who can know it? Because men are evil, we should separate power so that they compete for the power. And when we want even more separation of powers between the states and the federal government, that they quoted from Genesis, I think that's Genesis, where, maybe it's Exodus, where Jethro says to, to, to Abraham or Moses, I can't remember the story right now, I'm on a roll, and he says to one or the other, you know, you've got too much on you, you need to separate other, essentially other governments and, and delegate powers. Those were quoted, but I learned this week, studying some American history, in the notes on the convention, that when the idea for these particular three branches of government that we have to be introduced, the Bible was used. And this is super cool. So, hey, America, what kind of government do you want to have? Well, I think we should have three branches. Well, why do you want to have three branches, and what three branches should they be? Well, we want a judicial branch, we want a legislative branch, and we want an executive branch. We want uh, we want a branch to interpret laws. We want a branch to make laws. That's legislative. And we want a branch to enforce laws. That's executive. 
And they quoted, sort of out of context, but nevertheless, they quoted Isaiah 33, verse 22, which says this, For the Lord, that's Yahweh, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord Yahweh, is our lawgiver, the Lord, that's Yahweh, is our king, he will save us. And so one of the arguments was, well, we think these should be the three branches because these are the things that that, that, that the Lord is, and the Lord's give us gov- given us governments, and so this is a good model. He is a lawgiver, he's legislative, he's a, he's a king, he's a law executor, and he is a judge, he's a uh, an, what I guess a litigator of the law, and so uh, just a piece of little American history for you. Uh, there's plenty to love in our past, even if there's not much to love right now. There's a, a bunch to love in American history, and there's a quick little Bible fact for you. Moving on to let's do listener responses. I'm gonna blow some smoke at myself, and by smoke I mean just compliment myself in a really obnoxious way. A couple weeks ago on the show, I said presidential candidates should know better than to win to run. Like, they should know that they're not status, they're not qualified. And I said to myself, I'll be 35 in a year. I would still not be qualified. Charlie writes in and says, hey, listening to the podcast, constitutionally, you would be qualified by that time. And your character, because I said I wouldn't have the character to be president, he said, hey, we're talking about politicians. You would be eminently qualified. Again, uh, same illustration. I would be the best-looking pig at the slaughterhouse. Uh, he said, experience is all that you would lack, but I'm guessing the founding fathers thought life experience by age 35 was enough. This is also true. Back then, people weren't living that long. And so, uh, you've got 35 years old, you're probably a granddad by then. I'm just kidding. So, uh, thank you, Charlie, for that kind word. Uh, what was another one? Okay, here's the longer one. We're going to get started now. It'll go into the second segment. Catherine wrote in at CoreyTruackShow at gmail.com, CoreyTruackShow at gmail.com. Catherine says this, Have you seen the new Taylor Swift video? I thought you really liked her. And she said some other things about Taylor Swift. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, We're going to deconstruct the culture. That's one of the things that we should do in Christian media is look at what the world is doing and and critique it and see what we can learn from it from a biblical perspective and how to speak into it. So, uh, facts of the case. Let me give you just the facts. We'll take a break and come back and interpret it. Here are the facts. Taylor Swift is arguably the most successful musical artist of my lifetime. She actually did get the award from the American Music... I don't remember what organization, but they called her Artist of the Decade. So, out of all the 2010s through 2019, she was the Artist of the Decade. And there's no question. No one sold more music, had more downloads, had, had more CDs sold. No one sold more seats to a show than Taylor Swift. I mean, she's the biggest name in music. And yes, I'm not proud of it. I'm slightly embarrassed, but I love her. Like, all of her music. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. And so to Catherine, yes, I'm a fan of the music. And yes, I've seen the... Well, I actually have not seen the latest video, but I have heard the song, and I'm very familiar with it. So here's Taylor Swift, this big star. And lately, she's gone political. I would also add there's a direct, that's actually incorrect, there's an indirect correlation between artists being political and artists being good. When artists are good, they just, they, they, they produce that which comes from the soul and from the heart. And then when they start wanting to make a political point to make themselves feel important, the art becomes a, a mode of making their point, and so the art quality isn't as high. And so the last two singles from Taylor Swift, oh, no, last two out of three, 
Last two out of three singles from Taylor Swift have been very woke songs, woke leftist songs. So she does one called You Need to Calm Down that's just a rah-rah, LGBT people are the best people in the history of the world song. And then she did a great song called Lover. It was really sweet, good song. And then she just put out a song called The Man, and that's her feminism song. So two songs ago was LGBT people are the best people song, and now she's got a feminism song that men are terrible and the world is unfair to women. So she's now doing her uh, her left-wing woke thing. And so I do want to respond to this latest song, hopefully humbly, about what it's like, her argument to what it's like to be a woman in the United States of America. And we'll talk about sexism, and that's going to lead right into another theological discussion on gender roles. So lots to do. We're not going to have a sports segment at the end because we have a lot to do this week. So come on back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Ah, that's sweet piano music. Isn't it fun? That's how we that's how we do it here on the Corey Truax Show. Coming back from breaks, we do piano music because I'm still working on it. But I've hit a plateau. I've gotten pretty good. I'm okay. I can play some piano now for those that listen regularly. I've been trying to play piano since the end of last May. But I've, I've hit a thing, like I've hit a wall where it's going to take some, some real work to go to that next level. So uh, because you're all so interested, I'll keep you updated. Just kidding. Thanks for listening to The Corey Truax Show and his radio talk 91.9, 92.9, or wherever you find the podcast. You can find me, Corey Truax, on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Look for me. You will find me there, and we will have fun and frivolity. And uh, I can't come up with another word. We will have entertainment and education and enlightenment. I just switched it to ease and see what we can do together on social media. All right, Taylor Swift. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Probably not my best quality, but I am. And two out, two out of her last three songs have been very woke. And so uh, I'm going to respond here to her latest song. It's called The Man. This is her anti-mask, or, uh, anti-toxic masculinity screed. This is her feminism anthem. That's what this song is. Because she'll sue anyone who uses her music without a license, even little peons like me. I'm not playing it for you. I'm just going to quote to you some lyrics, and we will respond to it because that's part of the cultural milieu. And so we, especially from a Christian perspective, should know how to respond to it thoughtfully. Here we go. Taylor Swift writes in in verse 1, this is a song as if she were a man. She would say, I would be complex. I would be cool. They'd say, I played the field before I found someone to commit to. And that would be okay for me to do. Every conquest I had would make me more of a boss to you. All right, okay. So this critique here being uh, men that are with lots of women and chase down lots of women, they are thought of uh, as players, and they get lo- their plaudits because they are so good at getting women. But when women are with lots of men, it's not the same thing, and so uh, it's, a double, it's a double standard. All right, so first, I agree with her, verse 1. There's a double standard. Uh, there's no doubt in this culture, men who get attention from a lot of women, have relationships with a lot of women, are thought of uh, really, really well, and women who do the same thing are thought of as the exact opposite. There's uh, some stigma around that. But you know what? You know the way to fix that, Miss Swift? It's not for women to start behaving like... Uh, Boars. I, try, oh, I gotta come up with a 
vocabulary for this. It's not for women to behave like men. It's for men to behave. So you see a double standard there. I do too. And the the response to it, the solution to the double standard, is not for women to start acting like uh, terrible men. It's for men to grow up and stop behaving that way. All right, so that's her verse one. Uh, let's go to, let's, I'm going to go all the way to the chorus. Chorus, she says, I'm, oh, this gets on my nerves. I'm so sick of running as fast as I can, wondering if I'd get there quicker if I was a man. All right. Listen, Miss Swift, I know you're not listening to the show, but seriously, though, there's a double standard in the music world for men to women. I think I've brought this up before, but in the last 10 years, if it's not all of the top four, it's at least four of the top five or six of the grossing artists, the uh, t- most money made, it's Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Katy Perry, Rihanna, and I think Carrie Underwood sneaks into the top ten somewhere. L- let's not play that game. If I were a man, I'd be so much more successful. Uh, you're the most successful artist in the last ten years. What are you comparing that to? There's lots of clever songwriter dudes out there. You know what's also true? There's also women who are probably better musicians and more creative. They're just not as attractive as you, and so they didn't get the same breaks as you did. But this is not this is not a fair lyric, right? You're, you're not being disadvantaged in the music industry as a woman. How about this one? I'll give you a Jim Gaffigan joke. I love Jim Gaffigan. He's a great artist. He's a great comedian. He says when he sees a musical artist who's unattractive, he's always like, oh, i got to listen to them because they've got to be good. Otherwise, they're not getting to play music. And that's so true. Like, you, it's men out there, yeah. There's some dudes out there that get a lot of their popularity because women like looking at them. It is much more the case that women can have music careers as long as they're physically appealing. I can't even think of the name of the woman right now, but she had a couple country songs that did really well. I think she ended up being a judge on one of those voice shows or Dancing with the Star shows, and she's objectively a beautiful woman, and she is a really mediocre singer. But she got to do this because she's a beautiful woman. So, Taylor, come on, girl. You're not having to work as just as hard. Like You've got some privileges there to stop complaining about. Um, okay, let's go to verse 2. Uh, they'd, they'd say I hustled and put in the work, and they they wouldn't shake their heads and question how much of this I deserve. Um, you know, I I don't think that happens with her, with Taylor Swift. I mean, maybe I could be wrong. I would I'm willing to hear that out. I don't, que- don't question you deserve everything you got. I mean, this goes right back to that uh that chorus. You're sick of running as fast as you can. I mean, you you did start playing an instrument before you were ten years old and writing dozens and dozens, I think hundreds of songs before you were in your teens. I mean, you you did a lot of work. So I don't, I don't, I think you deserve everything you've, you've gotten. I think that's the, the attitude around her. Um, the, the rest of it's all the same stuff. It's, and so she's saying there's a double, double standard in the culture. And on that first one, when it comes to relationships, she's right. There's a double standard. And the, the solution to that is not for women to act like terrible men. The solution is for men to grow up and act like men. The rest of the stuff, I will tell you this. If you're going to be a woman on any part of this planet at any time period in our history, 
I would suggest choosing 2020 United States of America. Really good place to be a lady on human history. Does that mean we're nailing it and getting it all right? Of course not. But this is a very advantageous time to be a female in the in the history of the world. I have, I actually th- I'm pretty sure it's just over half my listenership is women, which makes me a, a rarity in talk radio and in podcasting. The vast majority of talk radio, at least, is it's men, and it's usually white men, and it's white men over 60. That is the typical talk radio audience. Podcasting audiences can get very diverse. And so, ladies, if I'm wrong, I know I don't come across this way, but I can be disagreed with, and I can be gracious about it, and I can even be corrected. I don't mind being corrected. So uh, I that's my argument to Taylor Swift. Stop complaining. Your life is awesome. You had a great advantages. Uh, and it, you, you ha- you're making a song about how bad it is to be a woman when you're living in the place that it's the best place to be a woman, best time to be a woman in the history of the world is right here, right now, in the United States of America. Moving on, but something related. A couple episodes ago, I went out, I came out on the show and said, uh, we have this issue of gender roles coming back up in the Southern Baptist Convention. So uh, the, the idea of men and women being distinct, they have different roles both in the home and in the church, and that we don't want to muddy those waters, and there's, there's likely a conflict coming in the SBC around this topic. I got a, um, a, Mark, a Marco Polo, so I should stop and talk about this really quickly. Some of you contact me regularly for the show. Sometimes I mention your name, sometimes I don't. But uh, the show really is always better when I'm working off of something you've provided. And there are lots of ways to get in touch with the show, and I wish you would. I mean, with, with my rate of listenership, if even, if even like 5% of you contacted me every week, it'd be overwhelming, so maybe I shouldn't be asking, but... Um, okay, but the show gets good when you contact me. There's lots of ways to do that. CoreyTruactShow at gmail.com, CoreyTruactShow at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Message me there. Or I'm on the Marco Polo app. I'm on the Anchor app. On the Anchor app, you can leave the show a voicemail and tell me what you think about something. You don't even have to leave your name if you don't want to. On the Marco Polo app, it's a it's video and audio, so you'd be leaving me leaving me a video, and I, if you're okay with it, I could play it on the show. Well, I got a Marco Polo from one of your fellow listeners. He's also a college friend of mine, Daniel, and he wanted to talk about gender roles. So I want to use some of what he taught me in that Marco Polo and start building out that conversation more, and then if you guys have thoughts, if you ladies have thoughts about the conversation, use any of those methods to get in touch. So, so set the table. I'm a complementarian, and I think that can be summed up as saying that men and women are equal in value before God, and God gave them both distinct roles. One of the things that Daniel wanted to make clear was when it comes to household roles, so in the family, not having to do with the church right now, that in the Christian world, we have primarily taking a, taken a snapshot in time of what men did and what women did, and decided that that's how it's always been and always should be. So we took the version of gender roles in the West, especially the United States, in 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and we decided that's exactly how the family's supposed to look, which is 
husband, wife, we're doing good thus far, children, even better, but then mom does not work, she manages the home, takes care of the kids, dad leaves every day to make the income, and then returns back. Daniel makes the very good point that that's actually a very rare situation in the world right now, and it's rare in human history. Consider that for most of human history, even here in the United States, that wasn't how the family worked. Dad didn't get up and leave to go to work. Dad got up and he was at work because the work was the farm. The work was the hardware shop. The work was the the general store and you were living above it. The work was the home. And so mom didn't leave to go to work. Dad didn't leave to go to work. Mom and dad woke up and they were there and they partnered together in it. I think that's what we lose sometimes in reading Proverbs 31 in that industrious woman who has some financial wherewithal where she can invest and buy real estate. She's selling different things and buying different things. Well, of course she is. She's there with her husband and her kids. They're all doing it all together because they weren't ever separated. Especially in that culture, those kids weren't even going off to school, likely. So the whole family was together all day. And some of you listening to me right now would go, that sounds terrible. (laughs) I don't want to be with my kids all day. They'll drive me crazy. I understand. So uh, it's a good point from Daniel. The idea that we have the burden that we've laid upon people that says what it looks like to be a biblical family is for mom to stay at home and dad to leave. Guys, that's like a 40-year period in America. We got 8,000 years of human history, recorded human history, to to learn from. And so uh, we can take biblical principles and apply them to where they are. And I'm in total agreement on that. So uh, when, for example, the, the few situations I know of where the lady is the breadwinner when the wife's the breadwinner and husband primarily takes care of the home or maybe he works part-time or none. We're not dealing with anything unbiblical here. We're just not because the the income being earned in the management of the household is held in a team. And so those roles were hoisted upon people by an American culture that doesn't have to be there. In the home, the clarity is simply this, that under the authority of Christ... The man of the home, the husband to that wife, the father to those kids, is the primary party responsible for the management of that household, the provision of that household, for the protection of that household. It is primarily his responsible. God blessed him with that wife. God blessed him with those kids, and he will be held accountable for how he managed those wonderful gifts that God gave him. That man may decide that the I can think of situations like this. He, Let's say he marries up in education, all right? And his wife's earning potential just far outstrips his when it comes to the modern world that we're in. He decides the best way to provide, protect, nurture my family is for you to go to work, hon, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things around this house. I'm going to manage this household and... Uh, if that's the decision they come to, that's his business, and there's no biblical mandate against that. And so in the home, there's lots of freedom for husbands and wives to make decisions about how what best provides for and protects the home and disciples their kids together. It is ultimate, ultimately uh, a role of a man to lead his house and take responsibility for the consequences of those decisions. So there's total agreement, I think, for a lot of us on role in the home. It's over in the church that we're having an issue where there's 
There's the office of pastor. There's the office of deacon, these positions. And we got to figure out what the Bible would have, not what we want, not our preferences, but what the Bible would say is the requirements to be an elder, to be a pastor, to be a deacon. And then after we've decided that, because I've made my decisions on that, the way I read those texts, it says that a woman could be a deacon, could hold that office, and cannot hold the office of elder. But then you start getting into that secondary conversation we're having to have in the Southern Baptist Convention right now about the function thereof. So one one of the functions of a pastor is preaching. So if a woman preaches, is she serving that function? Is that function reserved to men? Is it unique to that office? And I've made my positions on this clear. And I'm happy to hear more from you. Uh, you, I just told you how you can contact the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There is a courtyourxshow at gmail.com. You can do like Daniel did, leave something on Marco Polo, leave a voicemail on Anchor. Uh, But he, he wrote in with that distinction, and I thought it was a really good one. Oh, yeah, one more thing. I'm doing this off the top of my head. One more thing from that call from Daniel. I can't remember the entire script of it right now, but he referred me to a, a resource from Grace Church, which is here in the upstate, they have several campuses, about how there is a there are these roles for men and women, but it's better thought of when you think about it as uh, there's a different season in life that you're, you're playing a particular role in that season. You play particular roles based on your individuality and your giftings, and it was a it was a better way to to think through than role. The word role becomes can become a, a challenge in the conversation. And if you can start thinking about what people do during particular seasons with particular gifts, it is helpful. I might share some more of that with you in the future. Okay, then that is how Taylor Swift's conversation gets us into gender roles. And since we were talking about work there, we will continue with this incredibly professionally organized show and just segue right into work talk. You see how we did that? Hey, let's talk about Taylor Swift and feminism. Oh, that leads us to talk about gender. Oh, and and when we're talking about gender, who works and who doesn't, well then, let's talk about work. Yes, I am very impressed with myself over that. So, let's go with the the Gospel Coalition guy. told you about him at the beginning of the show. He's a pastor named Tom Nelson. If you want to go find the entire one-hour presentation... It's called Three Facets of Fruitfulness, Three Facets of Fruitfulness from Tom Nelson over at the Gospel Coalition. He did a presentation on the this overlooked idea that we're all spending a lot of our time, maybe even the plurality of our time, at work, not in the home, not with our spouse, not with our kids, not with our churches. You know, we spend our 80 or 90 minutes a week with our churches, but then we're at work 40 and 45 hours a week, and we're supposed to be Christians every single hour of the day. Our Christianity is not its not in a compartment on Sunday morning, and it's not compartmentalized to when we decide to spend some time in prayer or open our Bibles or listen to a podcast, but every single second of the day before we are anything else, so you're made in the image of God and following after Christ. And so when we go to work, we do not take our Christianity off. And so how do you act Christianly? I just want to give you some of the thoughts and the highlights from that presentation for me, and you can go find the whole thing if you want. Starting here. He made me rethink the entire Good Samaritan parable. I don't think he re... He's not reinterpreting it. He's just asking you to think about it from another perspective for a minute. 
Because the Good Samaritan parable has its primary point, and it's not about work. The, the Good Samaritan parable is not supposed to primarily teach you about how to work and work from a Christian perspective. But let me highlight a couple things. Here we have a, a man who, ha, who is beaten, has his things taken, he's robbed and left for dead on the road to Jericho? Yeah, Jericho. I think I'm right. The road to Damascus is popping into my head, but that's where Saul became Paul. So, yeah, road to Jericho. Road to Jericho, and a guy is overtaken by thieves, and the rabbi goes by, the priest goes by, he doesn't help him, but here's the Samaritan that comes by. This There is an avowed hatred, a disunity between the, the Samaritan and this person, but nevertheless he helps. But this Tom Nelson guy he brings out, Jesus did mention he was on that road for a reason. He was going to Jericho to sell. He's a businessman. He was on his way to transact business. And in that traveling for work, he found a need and practiced generosity and practiced a redemptive work, at least a physically redemptive work for somebody. And it wasn't just that he interrupted his work to do this good thing. What you think about as that story goes on, he goes to the innkeeper. This story doesn't, it can't, it, it can't happen. The parable can't be if there's not someone who decided to be entrepreneurially start a business, to start an inn. There isn't the story if there isn't some system of credit, some financial management where the Samaritan can say to the innkeeper, take care of this man. I'm going to be generous. You take care of him on this financial transaction, and then I'll be back when I'm finished with business. Now, again, that's not the primary point of the Good Samaritan, but it does give us something about our work. That as we go about it, as we go to transact business, we are circumspect for opportunity to serve others and to serve our God as we serve others. That as we take the risks of entrepreneurship, that we do it knowing that the things that we can get, the money we can make, is to take care of ourselves, that God would give us, provide for us through our work, but also provide for the work of ministry. He, he continued on. I guess I could, I'm already over, but, so I need to make this quick, but a lot of the parables have to do with work. The kingdom of God, that's the point of the parables. The point of the parables is for us to understand what the kingdom of God is like, and in a lot of those parables, Jesus is like, it's like these people who had a job to do. It's like this guy who sowed in a field. It's like this guy who sold all he had so he could buy this field. There's a lot of financial transaction and work language in there because that's the normal, the normal part of human life. We labor. And as we labor, we labor as unto the Lord. I believe it's Calvin. And if I'm wrong, if it's not John Calvin, then it's Martin Luther who talked about the, the, the theology of vocation worshiping God through your work. And his, his statement was the cobbler, cobblers are people who make shoes, the cobbler doesn't put a cross on every shoe he makes. He just makes the best shoe he can and sells it at the fairest price he can and does it to the glory of God. So for whatever it is that is for you, whatever you sell, you don't put a cross on it, but you do your best, you do it honestly, and you do it for the glory of God. Whatever you make, whatever data you process, whatever children you teach, 
whatever you do, whatever law you practice, whatever medicine you administer, whatever you do, you do it to honor God. You do it honesty, honestly with integrity, and you do it to the betterment of those around you. And we worship God through our work. We redeem our work. When we come back, I want to share with you a political quiz that's going around Facebook, and we're going to see just how conservative or liberal we all are. We'll do that when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Welcome back for the final segment of the Corey Act Show. If you would be so kind, share the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Tell someone about it. In my personal opinion, we're doing okay work here. Not great work. It's not a classic, right? I'm not Ben Shapiro, but it's okay. It's an okay show. I'm no John MacArthur, okay, but it's still good. And if you should be so proud uh, to share the show. Like, I'm so glad to be a part of this family, this Corey Truax show. I can't even pretend to think that's a good idea. I was going to try to pretend, but I can't. Hey, but for real, if you share the show, I am grateful. Here's what I want to do. Going around Facebook, at least amongst my followers and friends, there's a political quiz. It's long, and so I doubt we're going to get through all of it. And if you want a link to it, by the way, just find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'll send you the link. You can take the quiz and see where we all stand on two different spectrums between communitarian uh, and individualist and then left versus right because the real politics is on a grid. It's not left versus right. It's first freedom versus government, and then what would you use the government to do if you had control of it, left versus right? There's actually quite a few spectrums we could go on. Plus, this will allow us to do lots of different issues in a short amount of time. And so we have some time here to do it. So here we go. I'm going to walk through this political quiz with you and give you my thoughts. Uh, also, you on the answers, it can be, I agree a whole bunch, I agree a little, I disagree a whole bunch, I disagree a little, or just neutral. Now, here we go. Question one. At the heart, um, there is at heart a conflict between the interest of business and the interest of society. I don't think so. No, I would disagree probably a little because I can see how that could happen instead of disagreeing a lot. But no, the interest of business, as those pe- as people do commerce, it helps all people. So no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't think that at all. Um, number two, if people want to drive without a seatbelt, that should be their decision. I agree a whole bunch. Everyone should have freedom to do even irresponsible things. I am very much for individual liberty. Question three. You should be answering these for yourself, by the way. And where we disagree, you should write into the show and tell me about it. Oh, number three. Prostitution should be legal. All right. This one's testy for me because I just said I am for I'm for maximum freedom. It's people should be able to do even irresponsible things or even immoral things as long as it doesn't hurt others. There is a strong argument to say that prostitution, because it is, on its face, voluntary, that that's two consenting adults, and therefore, there should be no problem with it. Uh, But I have a couple thoughts. Um, First, Christian worldview, um, the, the act of prostitution... Uh, takes advantage of women because, we, and we know that. We know that from the data. We also know that from practicality. No 13, 14, 15-year-old girl ever grows up thinking, you know what I want to do. That's this, this is the job that I want. What leads to prostitution is typically the, the misuse of someone, the abuse of someone. And so because that is the, the, 
how, how prostitution often comes about, uh, there's I have plenty of room for a government to ban it. So when it says prostitution should be legal, I would go disagree, but just disagree a little, not disagree a whole bunch, because I can see the argument from a liberty standpoint. Question number four. People who turn down a job should not be eligible for unemployment benefits from the government. Yeah, I agree a whole bunch. Yeah, because uh, I, I am not a fan of the folks who are, well, I can't work at that kind of job because I used to have this kind of job and I'm not going to work that. That's below me. Uh, yeah, no work is below me. I know that's true. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Question five. Surveillance and counterterrorism programs have gone too far. 100% agree. The government has way too much access and data on us all. Question six. My country should give more foreign and developmental aid to third world countries. Disagree. If our debt to GDP ratio was more healthy, if we if we cut the debt by $10 trillion, I could see the argument. There are good arguments for saying the world would be more stable if this part of the world had more economic uh, prosperity. So let's put some investment in there because it, let's just give an example. If Yemen and Syria could get their junk together, it actually uh, secures some pipelines and some some oil pipelines that help us. So we want to put in some money towards that. It's to our own interest. So yeah, I'm, I'm good with some foreign aid for those reasons, but not right now. Not when we're $22 trillion in debt, not when there's Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid outlooks that are so bad. Uh, no, I, I couldn't do it right now. Question seven. Immigration to my, to my country should be minimized and strictly controlled. See, I don't like this question. Because if you ask me, should immigration be minimized? No. We need more people. We aren't having enough babies. We need more people. We need more of the world coming here. But when you say strictly controlled, well, I do want it controlled. I want people properly screened, and I want them... I want to even choose the choose the ones that we get. I want a merit-based system. I want to let in a certain group, the people that we need to make the country better. So I don't want immigration minimized. I want to let way more in than we're letting in. We just want to I just want to pick and choose the ones that are coming in. So that's a hard question. Question 8. Western civilization has benefited more from Christianity uh, than from the ideas of ancient Greece. Uh, we've benefited from both. Uh, ben Shapiro has a great book on this, speaking of Ben Shapiro earlier, uh, called, uh, I forgot what the book is called, but it's a great book, uh, where he says Jer- America is basically where Jerusalem meets Athens, where the Judeo-Christian ethic meets the philosophies of the ancient Greeks, and that's true. We've benefited deeply from both, but certainly uh, when it comes to rule of law instead of rule of man, and the just the functional... Uh, ideas of hu- of human rights and image of God on people. Uh, we've benefited more from Christianity. It is Christianity, b- bottom line truth here. It is Christianity that leads to hospitals. It's Christianity that leads to universities and education for all people. It is those principles that lead to so much stuff that we enjoy. So yeah, we've benefited more from Christianity. Question nine. Import tariffs on foreign products are a good way to protect jobs in my country. Is it a way to protect jobs in your country? Yeah. Is it a good way? No way! Import tariffs are a terrible idea. I had this conversation with my dad and my big brother here recently. We went back to when Barack Obama put a big tariff on rubber and tires coming from China because China was artificially 
getting in, getting them in here cheaply. They were subsidizing it using Chinese taxpayer money to make their products cheaper so Americans could buy them. And that was hurting our rubber manufacturers and tire makers. So the I think it was like 5,000 people who were being affected. We put in a tariff to help those 5,000 people while there's hundreds of millions of Americans that need to buy tires and rubber. So we hundreds of millions of Americans say, yeah, we'll pay more so that those 5,000 people can have their industry. That's inefficient. What, I, what we were all getting, consider this, hundreds of millions of Americans were getting a benefit paid for by the Chinese taxpayer because subsidies and tariffs both are bad policy. They're against the free market. So no, is it a way to protect jobs? I guess, but it's a terrible way to protect jobs. So I will strongly disagree. Question 10. The government should redistribute wealth from the rich to the poor. This is an easy one. Strongly disagree. Question 11. If an immigrant wants to fly the flag of his home country on my country's soil, that's okay with me. Personally, that's okay with me. I don't, I don't mind if someone from Honduras flies their flag here. I think it's poor behavior. I think it's not good for cultural cohesion. I don't think it's good behavior. I think it harms the the fabric of the United States. I would never tell someone they can't do it, but uh, I think it is important if you're going to immigrate here that you decide America is awesome. Um, it's not, well, America is more awesome than from where you came, and you don't fly the flag of your old country, but if you do, no one should stop you. Question 12. A country should never go to war without the support of the international community. Strongly disagree. I could care less, could, could not possibly care less what the international community thinks about our wars if the war is just, question 13. Overall, security leaks like those from Edward Snowden and, and WikiLeaks do more harm than good. Uh, strongly disagree. Uh, we, we need more transparency from our intelligence system, and so I appreciate the folks of WikiLeaks and Edward Snowden. Question 14. Some peoples and religions are generally more trouble than others. Uh, history would bear out. That's probably true. So I would not strongly agree, but I would disagree. I would agree some. Question 15. Medically assisted suicide should be legal. Disagree. Of course not. You don't get to help anyone murder themselves. Question 16. Speculation on the stock exchange is less desirable than other kinds of economic activity. Uh, I will agree a little, but not much. It's it's better economic activity to go and create a tangible product or a service people use. Uh, but speculation in the stock market does does provide liquidity. It puts money into the investment system, which can often get used for development. So it's it's not bad economic activity, but other economic activity is more desirable. Question seventeen. It almost never ends well when the government gets involved in business. Strongly agree. Yeah, government should be very little in its regulation, very light-handed. Question 18. Overall, labor unions do more harm than good. I would strongly agree now. There was a period in American history where I would disagree, and we might need to go back to that time uh, and reintroduce some kind of labor union. Question 19. Equality is more important than economic growth. I could not possibly disagree more. Equality is unachievable and it's not even desirable. Economic growth is desirable where it lifts all boats because you, you can get equality and you will typically mean that everyone is equally miserable and equally poor. But we can get economic growth and it leads to prosperity. Question 20. 
capital punishment should be an option in some cases. I strongly agree. Question 21. The market is generally better at allocating resources than the government. Of course that's true. You need to look back at only the last couple hundred years of human history. Markets, the invisible hand of the market, is much better at allocating resources. I strongly agree. Question 22. Homosexual couples should have all the same rights as heterosexual couples, including the right to adopt. Disagree. Uh, it's best for, for kids to have a home with a husband and a wife, a father and a mother. All the social data, social, social science data demonstrates that. Question 23. Government spending with the aim of creating jobs is generally a good idea. Strongly disagree. We, we cannot tax the millions to create jobs for the couple thousand uh, and if you're just creating jobs for the sake of them, you're not actually getting economic production. Question 24. Taxpayer money should not be spent on arts or sports. Totally agree strongly. Question 25. We need to increase taxes on industry out of concern for the climate. Strongly disagree. And we're on down to a minute here, so just two, maybe two more. Uh, there are too many wasteful government programs. Strongly agree. 27. The government should set a cap on the wages of bankers and CEOs. Of course not. It's not the government's job. It's not the government's business. It's, it is immoral for us to decide how much money someone else can make. That is objectively an immoral thing for all of us to decide together. You make too much. That's not for us to decide. That is for the market to decide and what people can earn. There's more of these questions to go to. If you're interested, just find me, a show at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I will send you the link. And again, I came out about as conservative as you could possibly be. And I would love to get your thoughts on some of those responses I just gave to about 27 questions there, especially if you disagree. Because when you disagree, it's just way more fun. All right. Thanks for listening to the Corey Truax Show on wherever you listen to the podcast, or WLFJ 91.9 and 92.9, his radio talk. If you would share the show on social media or want to support the show, that would be highly appreciated. I am genuinely grateful that you give me all this time every week. We'll be back with a new edition next week. Until then, peace and love.